Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. And welcome to our new times, 5 p.m. Tuesday. So we have finally figured out a time. We're set to make it every week, and we're going to stay stagnant on this time. Or at least that's what we're going to try and do, because viewership is down, listenership is down. We're going to try and make this work 5 p.m. every Tuesday, the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Welcome to the new time. Same day, same bad day, not the same bad time. Seth Cameron, Sean Palmer, college. What? What's up? All right. Anyway, college football preview today, first of three preview shows. We start with this week being college football, next week being our fantasy football preview, which is one of my favorite shows. And then we go into the NFL preview the on the 3rd of September. And, Seth, just like that, I know a couple of weeks ago you were asking me how many fantasy leagues I was in, and we were shocked, both of us, that I was only in two, and I believe you were in four. And just like that, in 48 hours, I have now doubled, and now I am back to four. It feels like the right number. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm in more than that, which feels like a little bit much, but such is life. So wait, yeah, our listenership is down. How is that possible? Yeah. How, how do we go down from below zero? How is our listenership down? Uh, we, how do we go from zero? No, 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 no. How do we go from zero down? When we when we were staying stagnant in about May or June, we were getting a good amount of listeners, and due to the fluctuation of timing. People uh, either didn't tune in or whatnot. And now we're back to a steady 5 p.m. I think we can either get people on, on live or they will podcast. But our new time, 5 p.m., I think we're going to get more. We're going to try and get more guests coming up. And we're getting a lot more, actually, publicity because our show will now be on Spotify and iTunes. So, Woo-hoo! surprise, surprise. We, yeah, seriously. So maybe we'll get some... Uh, a lot of listeners here are able to call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. And this preview, this college football preview, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is definitely the one where I know nothing. I mean, every time <laughs> we do a preview, whether it, be, whether it be a draft preview, a sport preview, a Super Bowl preview, whatever preview we do, we understand that my percentage is probably 50% or less. In college football, more than anything else, my percentage is like 20, maybe 20. Like, I am completely wait a minute, wait a minute. shooting from the hip. I'm a little confused here. Why exactly? Again, I can see college football, your knowledge base and mine are different. Just as mine is not similar to you, mine is not at the same level as yours for hockey or for baseball. But why would you be at yep. other, under 50% for other, for other previews? 
That just means you'd be well, a pretty lousy partner if you have no expertise in anything. Well, I agree, but I don't think you're any better. Like that's the thing. Look, previous shows are just previous shows are just that. We can say we're experts in anything, and at the same time, we're kind of like the weatherman. We can be wrong fifty percent of the time and still have jobs because nobody's taking this from us. So we're doing I was, pretty I was well. Gonna say, I was going to say, I pay for the I pay for the right to have this show. So based on that, I can be an expert, I guess. <laughs> There you go. Well, everybody's an expert in something. We're just trying to figure out what we're experts within. Seth, maybe accounting. I maybe law. And I put maybe in, in quotes because there's a lot of law that I don't know. And I'm sure there's a lot of accounting that Seth doesn't know. But the fact is, we know a good amount of sports. I think my, if, I had to put, if I had to put a show that my predictions come out best, I would say it's probably the fantasy football show. I think if I'm doing fantasy football, I am pretty knowledgeable and on predictions. And that's not to say that anybody else isn't. I'm just saying if I'm going to put rankings on which show I, you would want to listen to me and actually like really listen and take my advice, I think the fantasy football show is probably number one on that list. I think it's, it's, it's right up my alley. As far as sports are concerned, I think baseball's up there. I think I got a good handle on that. I think the NFL is kind of in there. But there is nothing that I know less in sports other than golf. Well, maybe even golf than college football. I mean, I really Soccer. enjoy watching the you games know, for college you, football. No. You know you know less you know less about soccer than you do college football. That's true, but we don't do a preview show on soccer. That is true. Thankfully. Thankfully. Also, I would be a mute. <laughs> and I know that's really hard to understand and even think about no one, being basically well, on, mute, on mute for 60 minutes. It would be hard to see you as a mute on radio or on podcast. It doesn't really <laughs> correlate very well. Uh-huh. well and if anyone actually knows Sean in person... <laughs> And if anyone actually knows Sean in person, the idea of him being mute more than five minutes is is, impos- is an impossibility to say the least. So look, there was no, a think, week. Think, look, there was a week. There was a week I was sick and I was not able to talk for almost an entire week. It did happen. It has been. It, it did. It, it was the best ratings the that, show has gotten in three years. <laughs> what? It basically had no. What? You just talked for an hour. <laughs> that was probably. <laughs> But the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing our college, we are doing our college football preview today. Uh, we also have some other quips and quotes that we'll, that we'll go through. Uh, baseball is is winding down the dog days of August. Surprisingly, September is right around the corner, Seth. I mean, it's next week. I mean, this crept up on me more than it did. I, I think most people, but. Let me ask you this. Right in the last month, we, we talked about this in July when the baseball trading deadline took place and Zach Greinke was traded to Houston and, and, and a couple of bigger trades. But I lamented the fact that I thought that the, the month of August would be incredibly boring due to the fact that there would be no trade deadline and that those teams that needed to make a trade or wanted to make a trade in August, we're not able to do such. 
Now, I know you're not the huge baseball fanatic. I know you're not the, the guy that watches day-to-day with, with baseball. But do you feel that there, this is the first year we've had only July as a trading device? Do you think it was, the last month was detracted or detracted from baseball because there, your team is your team at this point? There is, there is no change. No change it is has. possible until the minor I, I leaguers think- come up. Yeah, which is September 1st. I think it's too early. I think the July is it the July 15th. I don't know if you need to July 31st. Deadlines, but the July 31st, sorry. But the July 31st deadline to me is too early. Um, you know, to me, I would rather wait a little bit longer, whether it's August 15th, whether it's September 1st. So I have a much better feel about who should be a buyer and who should be a seller. Because at July 31st, we still have two full months of the season left. You don't, you know, teams that could be six games out of a wild card could be two games out, or it could be 15 games out. It's a little bit more of a more of a risk and more of a, a jump ball. To me, I think it, I think it showed that there weren't an, an enormous amount of significant trades. Um, I would rather be pushed back a couple more weeks. I mean, look, you know, we're, we're in August 20th. You know, you know, if you look at the National League standings, there are 87,000 teams within five games of a, of, of a wild card. Were the Mets in this place a month ago? Of course not. Were, you know, were there other teams that had better chances? Yeah. And I'd, So to me, the further back you can push it, the better. And August 15th, you're still before college football. You're still before pro football. The U.S. Open hasn't hit yet. Nobody's talking about basketball. It would, it would, it would to me, it would give you, it would, baseball would still be at the forefront for this period of time. So you'd still, get to, you'd still have your discussion, and you'd have a better feel for who should be a buyer and who should be a seller. As opposed to July 31st, I would have pushed it back to September 1st. If you wanted to push it back to August 15th, I'd have been okay with it. I just think July 31st was too early. So there, so there are six teams in the National League within four games of the wild card. The, the Nationals are in the first wild card spot. Then you have the second wild card spot currently is occupied by the Cubs. Then you have the Phillies, the Mets at two games back, Milwaukee at two and a half, San Francisco at three and a half, and Arizona at four. In the American League, you have your Indians and your Rays at one and two. Uh, Indians at a game and a half up. Then you have Oakland at one. And then you got Boston at six. Now, I hear what you're saying. I hear that, that tr- trades may or may not have happened because of teams may or may not have been in it. But the fact of the matter is, you you made these trades not only with this year in mind, but next year in mind for a lot of these teams, especially Cincinnati and the Mets getting Marcus Stroman and Trevor Bauer. And it allows those players. I, I think the, the question that you have to ask is, it's one of two things. Are you making trades so the player will have an influence in the regular season as well as the postseason? Or do you want the trading deadline to basically because if you're if you want the former you want it to be a mercenary if you 
Right. If you if you wanted the former, and you want those players to have an effect on the regular season, especially when it comes to a pitcher, if you do that on September first, what's a, what's a Marcus Stroman and a Zach Breaking going to get? Three starts, maybe yeah. three or four, right? Uh, I get it with a hitter, but certainly with a pitcher. And if you're acquiring them, say July thirty first, now you got eight starts, seven or eight starts, which could conceivably change the facet of the league. I've, or change one of those games okay, to be the wild card. So I think fair. it. I think it really depends on where you're looking for the for the acquisitions to take hold. If you want them as a mercenary, where they're just affecting the playoffs, September first is your September first is your time. I'm with you. I think not having a trading deadline, not having two trading deadlines, I think took away some of the interest in baseball. Not necessarily the fact that it didn't change the game. And the last month, while interesting for me, being a Mets fan, and the fact that they've won like a gazillion out of a gazillion and two, and have catapulted themselves to four games above 500. And more importantly, their, their run differential, I remember looking at this a month ago, and they were in the minus 30s, and now they've made up 46 runs in a run differential, has catapulted them in. A normal baseball fan may say, especially one that's out of the playoff run at this point, such as your Colorado Rockies, your Pittsburgh Pirates, your Detroit Tigers, or Baltimore Orioles, they may have had something to trade in the last month. So... I think it's six and one half dozen the other. I think it took away a little bit from this from from the month of August because I think the month of August was basically uh, a dead month for for baseball. And I think you had, like you said, you had an opportunity to secure the month. Maybe you make it August fifteenth and you split the baby. That may be a good way to do. Agreed. So, okay, so. Let's move on from there. I wanted to talk a little bit about what dropped today on ESPN.com. And oh my goodness, some <laughs> some absolutely amazing. Can we we have to give props to Ramona Shelburne, right? I mean, what amazing journalism! And in the in the era where journalism is really going out the window, and it's unfortunate because of the Associated Press could do internet stories, really, really, everything is quick, 140 characters. The in-depth stories, the real investigative stories are few and far between. And the really great ones are even fewer. And Ramona Shelburne, if you have, look, we like to give props to, to uh, authors and to broadcasters that do a good job because it's important to do that. It's important to, to uh, tell the world that there's stuff that's still going on outside of the internet and stuff that's going outside out of 140 characters on Twitter. If you haven't checked out the ESPN podcast that dropped today, it was on Donald Sterling. I think it's is it 20 years at this point or 10 years. There's got to be a reason no, why it's not, it is. Not even. It's five, no, it's five years. Five years? Five years. Okay. Yeah. Rogers. Wow, did I? It seems like that long ago that Donald Sterling was let go. But five years ago, Donald Sterling of the Los Angeles Clippers was required to sell the team. 
and for a litany of reasons that go back decades as to why, but there was an impetus in which he was caught on tape saying some very unflattering things about African-American people. And that is no way to treat employees, let alone Adam Silver. And I think, Seth, it's a five-part series. And once you – it holds Adam Silver into, like, the beacon of, of hope for the NBA. Yes. And, Seth, I'm not sure if you got through all five, but at the, I in the last show – it, there is a quote in the last show, and I don't recall who it's from, but it says, Adam Silver is going to have a really tough time for the rest of his tenure to top what he did in the first three months. Yeah. Getting rid of John O'Shea. Um, I, I mean, I, I listened to the first three, the first three podcasts. Um, I'll listen to the next two by the end of the week. Oh, my goodness. It is the background and the research and the access, the accessibility granted by all of these people. Ramona Shelburne did a magnificent job. Again, I don't. I mean, well, I know how it ends, but I, I mean, I know how the story ends. I don't know how the podcast ends, but it it is at the top of you. You can't put it down. It's engrossing. And finding out some things you never would have known, like Jerry Buss had to borrow or pretty much had to sell 11 buildings to Donald Sterling so he could buy the Lakers. Who knew? I had no clue. Um, it was just, it, it's, been, it's been entrancing to listen to, is the best way to put it. Yeah. I could not put it down and look, it's like a good book, right? You just, you read and read and read until it's over. Five, five, five specific podcasts. Once again, this is ESPN's 30 for 30 stuff, right? And this Which has been going on for a very been long very, time. very good. Absolutely. And their podcast, their 30 for 30 podcasts have been tremendous as well. Look, of all the stuff that ESPN does online, I believe their podcasts are the best stuff that they do. Whether that be the, yeah. the, low, uh, the, the low post with Zach Lowe or any of these podcasts, I think they are – I was one of those guys that – in fact, you recall this, when they used to have chats, right? They used to have their chats mm-hmm. online. Keith Law would have them. I would be entranced. I would be sitting at a computer watching those chats or reading those chat transcripts. And now they just change from a chat transcript to basically doing a chat on a podcast, which the unfortunate part is there's really no listener uh, feedback. You don't get that back and forth between the listeners, but that's okay. You're still getting the same information. And I think that what they do by getting their writers to actually um... engage – no, I. Every you three hours. I was, said every week, every every Friday, I would read Dan Raphael's boxing pod, the boxing transcript, the transcript of the boxing chat yep. from Dan Raphael it was sensational. I would read. I wouldn't yep. read the Keith Law. I would read from time to time because he was snarky and I enjoyed it. Um, the basketball, <laughs> it was it was fantastic. 
Um, and to be honest, it's what I still miss the most about the ESPN website, which I still read pretty much every day, but it has been far surpassed by, to me by the athletic. It's just, but it's just different kind of, different kind of material because the athletic is more, the athletic is more of the articles, the long form that I enjoy and you do too. ESPN is more of, okay, here's what's going on in sports right now. Um, but this was a throwback, which is why, this was absolutely wonderful. Which is why, the, which is why the podcasts for ESPN are the best part because they're not the 140 characters. They're not here's the scoop and we're done with it. They and unfortunately, I, I guess fortunately for ESPN investors, but unfortunately for the little people like myself that have not purchased a subscription to ESPN Plus, more and more of that stuff is going behind the paywall. And I was actually surprised that this that this uh, this series the the podcast was not behind the paywall because this is the best thing I've seen. If this uh, if this podcast doesn't win awards, I would be shocked. I mean, it was that good. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we don't we we generally do prop up other journalists. We say who we like, but I think this is the first time we're actually promoting a podcast. I mean, literally promoting and saying, you, you know what, go, go listen. Go spend the two and a half hours. And I think in total, what, 40 minutes per podcast, five, five podcasts, 200 minutes, you're looking at over three hours of time. Spend your three hours and listen to this because every single minute was just better than the, better than the next, better than the pa- uh, previous. And, Seth, you're right. It's not necessarily the story. We all know the story. We all got the story. We lived through the story. But the access that they were getting with Shelly Shelly Sterling and all the basketball players and Magic Johnson and Andre Iguodala, tremendous stuff, tremendous access. And I think more importantly, it's the story that we didn't know. We We lived through this. We knew that Adam Silver made that that choice, but Seth, if you you're going to hear in podcast number five, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm not giving anything away, but Shelly Sterling had to go to two doctors to get Donald Sterling declared incompetent in order to sell the team. Are you kidding? That that never came out. We never knew that. Uh, can you imagine an, an NBA player, an NBA owner, being declared incompetent in order to sell a team to Steve Ballmer? He didn't even know that Steve Ballmer ran Microsoft. He actually, after, at his own inco- in, in his own trial, went up to Steve Ballmer and said, what kind of software company do you run? And he goes, well, you might have heard of it. You might have heard of it. Microsoft? He goes, no, never heard of it. Really? But the access is, is, is tremendous. Access is far and away. And look, so, so he Bonner, actually right? so he he actually was found to be in. I knew he was found to be in. I, I yeah. knew about the incompetency. I just thought it was a. I just thought pretty much that was an excuse to be able to get him to sell it. He was actually incompetent, mentally incompetent by that point. So, so, so if you listen to the, it, it's in. I think it's in podcast number five you will find out that Donald, so Shelly Sterling negotiated straight with Steve Ballmer for $2.0 billion. And 
what what Balmer and Adam Silver required was Donald Sterling signing off on this. Now, I don't know how many of you folks know Don, know uh, the back and forth between Donald Sterling. But Donald Sterling was a lawyer. He always skirted deals at the very last minute. So Shelly Sterling said, what happens if Donald doesn't sign off on this? How do we get around it? Well, part of the Sterling Family Trust, which was owned 50% by Donald Sterling and 50% by Shelly Sterling, probably still owned that way, said that if you could find two, two medical doctors to declare a person incompetent, they could not stand in the way of any business of the foundation. So when Donald Sterling said no, Shelly Sterling had plan B. She had two doctors that he visited that declared him incompetent. How 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 absolutely I was gonna say awesome, but nothing's awesome about that. How interesting is that? I think that's the better better word. Nothing's awesome about a person being declared incompetent. But the access to be able to know that, the access to be able to go get that. Seth, this this is this is the best journalism that I've seen this year and it may have been in the last five years. This was tremendous. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, go check it out. It's worth your while. It's worth the three hours. No question. It, it's like a great book that you just can't put down or binge watching a show. If you're looking, if you're a basketball fan, this is what you should be listening to. If you're a sports fan, this is what you should be listening to. And you kind of feel sorry for Donald Sterling at the end. I'll tell you that flat out. You probably feel I, sorry for him at the I end, doubt, despite, I doubt, despite what he did. I doubt that. <laughs> Seth, if you are being set up, if you are being set up by your wife to be declared incompetent, so that so you could sell, so she could sell your best your best asset and your favorite thing in the world under your nose, you feel in the moment you feel a little you, met, you feel like you how could wife? that happen? Have no, you met I my wife? Met your wife, but I could see. You. No, but if she asked me to declare you incompetent, I may have to take her side on it. I understand. So, so anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, luckily I have nothing nothing of value. (laughs) Not yet. So, so so definitely do that. So let's move on to college football. We have a half hour left to get this done. And the first question I have for you, Seth, being a resident expert, and I say that facetiously and at the same time knowing what my expertise is on college football, a resident expert, that's not really a high bar. But is the Heisman Trophy, is the Heisman Trophy going to stay in Norman, Oklahoma for the third straight year? No. No, Jalen Hurts isn't winning the Heisman. Uh, he, he, he'll be the starter. And he'll do quite nicely there, but he is not going to win the Heisman. Not a chance, not a thought no on it. No, I don't think so. So Oklahoma, there are so many... Oklahoma runs the table. No. He's, okay. a, he's a very nice college quarterback. He is not an all-time college great quarterback. And he doesn't, he's not going to win. He's just not. Um, he's not the passer that Baker Mayfield was. 
I'm not going to say he's not the athlete that, that Kyler Murray is because nobody is, but he is a very he's a great athlete. I just don't. Oklahoma is not quite as good as they were as they've been previously. Um, and they still think they're the favorite to win the Big Twelve, but he is not going to win it. Okay. Well, let's talk about those favorites. So let's go through some of these conferences, and then at the end we'll pick our um, our final four as we normally do, and we will also pick our Heisman Trophy winner as we normally do. And let's start in uh, in the ACC. So for me, it's Clemson and everybody else, which is not all that surprising, given the fact that Clemson is the national champion or defending national champion at this point. Is there anybody that has a shot at dethroning these guys? No. And granted, I would love for no. Syracuse to be that team, but I don't think it's going to happen. No. I do think, though, I will, I will say this now, I do think Syracuse beats Clemson in Syracuse in week three. I do believe that happens, but I believe Syracuse gets tripped up along the way, so they don't get, so they don't beat, they don't beat Clemson in the standings. But I do believe that they do beat them in Syracuse week three. I do not. For simply put, Clemson for the last two two years ago, Clemson uh, the year Clemson wins the net. Lost in the national title game, Syracuse beat them. Last year, Syracuse yes. very well could have beat them at Clemson um, in a Should very, very good game where Kelly Bryant very well could have. Where Kelly Bryant got knocked out, Trevor Lawrence came in, and the rest is history. Clemson is not yep. going to overlook Syracuse this year, and nor should they. Despite no, and I think from a talent standpoint. It is still Clemson way above everybody else in this conference. I do think Syracuse has a solid chance of being the number two team. Florida State is not – Willie Taggart's in trouble, and he's already – he's only in his second year. Miami has a new coach. Georgia Tech has a new coach. There's not that much – you know, we go back 20, 25 years of how weak the ACC was in football, hence one of the reasons why they brought in – Florida State and brought in Miami and brought in uh, Boston College to a la- for a lesser degree. We're pretty much there because we are right back to it being very, very, very top heavy and nothing else and nothing else there. So I think you're looking at Syracuse. I think Dino Babers is looking at another good year. Now, who is their quarterback this year? Because I know the I know the other Dumphy's gone. Correct. Yep. So, yes, he is. So uh, it's Tommy DeVito, who is a four-star that came out. Who was the back? He was, he was the backup. Quarterback. He was the backup last year. Yeah, he, he played. He played yep. some last year. So look, he you're, you're going to be you're going to be a solid bottom of the top twenty team this year. Um, I, I don't see it as a. Whoops, sorry. I don't see, but I don't see. This is a Syracuse undefeated season. I I, I just don't see anything more than that. No, um, and I don't see any team well, in the ACC you, that's going to challenge it. Did you say you see this as a Syracuse undefeated season? Sorry, no, Clemson undefeated season. Season. Oh, I was come like, on. wait a second, where the heck did that come from? Right, exactly. That's why I can not understand. Yeah. Look, I do believe, like I said before, I think that they will. Syracuse is 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 twenty first in the nation coming into the season. That hasn't happened in, in over ten years. 
being a ranked team. Uh, I'll stand by my prediction. I, I do believe that they will win in Syracuse um, in game week three. Uh, I think they'll get tripped up thereafter, but I do think that they will win game three, uh, the home opener, uh, in week three. But you're right. It's extremely top-heavy. After, after Clemson, you have Notre Dame in the top ten, then you have in the bottom the bottom ten of the top twenty five Syracuse and Virginia, and that's it. Yeah. Well, first of all, Notre, Notre Dame is not. Remember though, but Sean, Notre Dame is not an ACC team for football purposes. No, no, no. I just can't include. I'm, them. I'm just saying they're playing. You can because they're playing an ACC schedule. Not really. They play. They play. They don't play nine this ACC is, games. No, they don't. They never do. Four. Okay, okay, okay. That's not an ATP team. Okay, Clemson, Syracuse, Virginia. Like I said, I was agreeing with you that they're extremely top-heavy and nothing else. And that's 100%. No question about it. And I think it is Clemson and everybody else. But as I said before, I think that they will trip up and lose to Syracuse, and then Syracuse will trip up and lose to somebody else. So let's go on to the Big Ten. So Big Ten has some has their major um, their major teams. They're top heavy as well. With no, with to me two teams in the top ten in Michigan and Ohio State. And then they don't have another team for a while. In the, I mean they yeah they don't have another team. I think their third best team is Penn State at four, around fourteen fifteen. Michigan State fourteen fifteen. Oh, I guess in Nebraska. So they have some middle teams as well. Best Big Ten. When, since when is fourteen or ten conference? Since when is? No, you're right. I was, I was, I was correcting myself. I corrected myself. I said I guess I'm wrong. It, best Big Ten in a while. Top to no. bottom, or are we looking? No. Okay. So. No, it's it's a weaker so, Big Ten than in prior years because I don't see it. I don't think there's a team from the big 10 most likely going to the, going to the CFP. Um, Ohio state breaks in a new coach. Ryan day is in, who's never been a head coach before with urban Meyer retiring. They have a new quarterback in Justin Fields. So I don't now they have a Heisman candidate in JK Dobbins, but I, I, I think this is a, you lost Nick Bosa, who was the number one pick in the draft. But you're not looking at a team as strong a team as as in prior, the recent prior years for Ohio State. Here is the problem with Michigan. Every year there's an expectation. Every year they don't hit it. They don't beat Michigan State, and they don't beat Ohio State. And look who they lost. They lost on the the offense has been. Decent, but nothing special under Harbaugh. On the defensive end, they've lost this year Rashawn Gary. They lost Chase Winovich. They lost Mo Hurst. And they lost um, the, line, the linebacker. Crap. Uh, Devin, not uh, Devin, oh, Devin, Devin Bush, Bush or Devin White. I forget which one. Right. Oh, one went, White. So they one lost four two. top. What, what? Right. The other one went to LSU. They lost four top. Right. The one that, the one that won, one, one went players. to Tampa Bay. One went to Tampa Bay, and one will be on our fantasy team. That's, uh, that's how we're right. dealing with it. Go ahead. Sorry. Fair enough. 
So to me, I don't. The defense is going to take a step back. And even though yes, you have Shea Patterson back for a second year, I'm not looking at this Michigan team and going, "Wow." You know, I think every year they get overhyped, and every year we get caught in that. And they've not once since Harbaugh has come in. And realistically, they even throughout their last 30 years, how many times have they really lived up to the expectation? Never. Very rarely. So I, I see them as a, just like every other year. They'll be nine and three. They'll be ten and two. And you know they'll lose in a close game to Ohio State because they've lost what eight in a row to Ohio State. I don't see. I don't see it. I just don't. So you don't see a Big Ten and, team in the Final Four at all. No, no Big Ten in the problem. Final Four. No. Penn State loses Trace McSorley. Their backup quarterback transfers to Mississippi State. So they have a guy who they have a guy who um, I th- I forget if he's a rookie, if he's a freshman, or if he's a, a sophomore who played no time last year, starting. They lost they lost some talent as well. Michigan State has no offense. Michigan State's impossible to read. Their defense is always good. Their offense behind Brian Lewerke has been inconsistent. And look, it's a division. There, there you have four teams who are probably going to win between eight and ten games. It is a good division. But there is no top-heavy team there. That really blows my mind. Okay, so here's a question And then the other, the other it division, possible? it's a free-for-all. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this the year that Scott Frost makes the leap with Nebraska? Ranked 24th coming in. They're in a division which is very winnable, right? I mean, I'm looking at it. They got I'm looking at their schedule right now, actually. Hold on a second. I had their schedule up. So their schedule lays out pretty well for them. They're at Colorado, which is a hard game whenever you go to Colorado. No, they not. play Ohio no, State at home. Ohio, Ohio State at home. They play Wisconsin at home. And they play Iowa at home. So the three biggest games on their schedule, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, all at home. And they, the hardest game in the last, the last half of the season is either at Purdue or at Maryland. So is this the year? Look, their schedule is perfect for them to make a run. It is. Is this the year that they that take that step up? Well, it depends what you define as a step up. Could they win the division? Yes. They could win, they could win could they the Big Ten West. No. Could they go perfect in the Big Ten? The team was 4-8 and eight last year. Why would they be, per, why would they be perfect? Um, well, they'll be... They have, Probably a- okay, every every other we're not even hearing you at all anymore. So I'm gonna take that as Seth agreeing with me and saying that Nebraska could be perfect. I know it's wrong. I know he it's not gonna happen. But I'm gonna take it as if it is. And I think that they I will make I will make a prediction here. So Nebraska finished 2018 by winning four out of their last six games. The two losses were to Ohio State and Iowa. 
which were by a combined eight points. Eight points. I think they win the division. I think they make a run. The problem that they have is that they only have an offensive line that has two starters. But overall, this schedule is perfect for them. Absolutely perfect. We hope that Seth does call back in. He got disconnected. I think this is the perfect schedule for them. It's unfortunate that Seth gets disconnected on the show that I know nothing about. But that's where we are. So I will take Nebraska winning not only the division, but winning the entire Big Ten. I have them going to the Big Ten championship and winning that game too. So I'll take Nebraska. I don't think they're going to go into the into the Final Four. I think Seth's right in that. Look, if they go perfect, they're going to the Final Four. I, I don't think that. Oh, Seth is calling me. So let's try and get him in here. I'm going to reach the calls. I don't know how to do it. Oh, I don't know how to do it. Okay, well, I'm going to try and do this. Charging the calls. I don't know why I got this. Okay, and now we're on with Seth. Seth dialed into me. I made the prediction that I believe that that Nebraska will take the Big Ten. I also believe that they will win the Big Ten. And by winning, I I think they'll win the Big Ten championship game too. Um, I don't think they'll make the Final Four, but with one loss, they definitely should have a shot. And that's that's my wild prediction from the Big Ten. So agree with me, disagree with me. I know you disagree, but that's okay. I completely completely disagree with you. Well, that's not the first time that's ever happened. So we'll go through. uh, So let's move on to the Big 12. In the Big 12, we have, excuse me, I'm pulling up the Big 12. So Big 12, we got a couple of, uh, we got Oklahoma at the four spot, Texas at the 10 spot, and Iowa State at the 21 spot uh, going into this year. What are your thoughts here? Where, where, where do you see this line? You, you told me that you expect Oklahoma to do very well. Does Oklahoma win this, win this conference, or is it Texas coming up with Tom Herman? Okay, I lost Seth again. Oh, I lost Seth. He disconnected me. Okay, well, let's hope that he calls into the show. Because just when I needed Seth, he disconnects. So anyway, that being said, um, I think Oklahoma behind Jalen Hurst is going to win the Big 12. I don't think there's really any issue here with them winning the Big 12. I don't like, as Seth said, I don't think that they take home the Heisman for the third straight year. But Oklahoma is a solid team. I believe their schedule works out well for them again this year. I think they play Texas at home. Hold on. Yes, they play Texas at home. Their hardest game, they play Iowa State at home, they play Houston at home, and they play the hardest game will be at UCLA, and that's early on in the year. So we got Seth back. Seth, I was just going through the Oklahoma schedule. Once again, looking at schedule-wise, Oklahoma definitely has the run of this, given that they face Iowa State at home, 
Texas at home, and their hardest game is probably at UCLA, and that's early on in the year. And UCLA is a bad team. Um, well, usually Texas – I don't know where the Texas game is, but usually it's in Dallas. Usually that's played at a neutral site. Oh, you're right. Not home. So that's, you're right. You're right. That surprises me. Um, I am not – the winner of – very simply, the winner of Oklahoma-Texas wins is going to win the, is going to win the conference. Um, Texas, now that they're not playing Maryland this year, because Maryland has embarrassed them two straight years, should have – should be – is a top-10 team behind Sam Erlinger. Um, Tom Herman has rebuilt the team pretty quickly. Oklahoma, you know, Lincoln Riley, I'm, I, I'm assuming he's got two or three years left before he has a pro job. I mean, let's be honest, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury can get one from Texas Tech. Lincoln Riley's going to get one pretty damn soon, too. Um, it's a it's a two-team race. You know, the Iowa State, without David Montgomery, is getting any pub at all. It just tells you how good Matt Campbell is as a head coach. It makes you wonder how long he'll stay in Ames. Gary Patterson's having a down year in TCU. Um, Texas Tech loses Queensbury. They're rebuilding. Baylor's still rebuilding under Matt Rule. It's a down year in the Big 12. Okay, so going from a a down year in one conference to definitely an up year in another Look, we don't give respect to the Pac-10, but the Pac-10 looks like a loaded conference this year with, I think it's six ranked teams. Now, granted, they're all middle-ranked teams, but Oregon at 11, Washington at 13, well, Utah at 14, Washington State at 23, and Stanford at 25. So five teams ranked, as you said, UCLA not ranked, and really a horrible team under under Chip Kelly. But this is a for a Pac-10 conference, which gets little to no respect. They just don't get respect ever, probably because they're on the left coast and nobody ever watches them except for Beth Cayman's who's up at two in the morning watching. <laughs> which is which is wife is oh so happy that she's she's sleeping and he's watching football, but the fact is no, they're the Robbie Dangerfield of the NCAA. And in the past, they haven't deserved any respect. Do they? Is is this a show, or is this going to be a conference that has to be reckoned with? It's a very interesting dichotomy this year in the Pac-10 because every you mentioned it's five teams, six teams. All of those teams. There's one team you did not mention. Did you mention USC is ranked? I don't think so. USC. Who did you? Did you mention USC USC as being ranked ranked in the preseason? USC. Right. No, USC is not ranked. No. So on one one end, you have a division of Stanford, Oregon, Washington, and Washington State, which will probably, which could very well be the best division in football this year, in college football. Better than the Big Ten East. Potentially better than the SEC. Was it better than one of the SEC conference, the SEC division, one of the two SEC divisions? 
But look what's on the Pac-10 South. Utah has a really, really good run here. And if you look at their schedule, they have an amazing opportunity. Because all of these big-time teams are going to beat the living crap out of each other. Oregon and Washington and Washington. No, the only way you're not going to – I think it would almost be difficult to get through with one loss in the Pac-10, coming from the Pac-10. And the only team that has a reasonable chance to go undefeated is Utah because they don't play a lot of well, these teams. Well, hold on. Hold on, Seth. Let's go through their schedule. So they so they start off at BYU, which is not an easy easy game to play. No, always a tough game. Agreed. Right. Okay. Then they got Northern Illinois, Idaho State, both at home. They go to USC. Seth, that mm-hmm. I'm not saying USC is a great team, but that not an easy game. At home against Agreed. Washington State. At at home against Oregon State. Away against Arizona State. Home against Cal. Away against Washington, away against Washington. That's that's a very difficult game. Home against UCLA, away against Arizona, and home against Colorado. So if you're looking at two trip me up games, I'm thinking it's BYU in the first game, and then Washington in November. Those are the two hardest games. But you're right. Look, if they don't get tripped up by those two games, they very easily could go undefeated in their side of the schedule. Uh, their side of, exactly. of the division. Absolutely. And what are you looking at, practically speaking? A one-loss team from the Pac-10 is probably not going, to, especially with that conference, with that out-of-conference schedule. It's obviously not Utah, but a Pac-10 team is probably not going with one loss. But an undefeated team no. would. The best, chance is, would the, best team that, the best chance you have. An undefeated Pac-10 team well, would, go to, would go to the CFA. With wait with that schedule, so that schedule sucks. Okay, that schedule is <laughs> awful. That's that schedule. No, no, look, look. I'm, I'm, they have one ranked team, Seth. One. Yep. No, yep. two. I'm sorry. Washington State at 23. So Washington State at 23 and Washington at 13. That strength of schedule is awful. You think that they go if they're even if they're I think this is the cusp of of an undefeated team if they are undefeated that might actually not go. They're that's, undefeated. That's, I, I, if they're Sean, if they go undefeated and they don't make it, that's the death knell of the Pac-10. Simply put, you don't think you it's are already power five <laughs> It's not good. But it's not at that point yet. Um, now, to be fair, there is a championship cannot. game in the Pac-10, right? There is a championship game. Yes. So they would yes. they would play the winner of. I mean, potentially they'd have another. They'd have an Oregon at eleven or Washington a rematch of Washington at thirteen. So, I mean, there's a potential for another top ten team, and then you're playing three ranked opponents. Okay. I, I can go with that. But I'd really like to see Cal win the whole thing in the East and then face an undefeated Utah team just so they would have the not-ranked team. And let's play it. Let's see it through. Okay, we got what? Uh, we got nine minutes left. So let's go over to the – first of all, let me, let me put yeah, it this way. Is Notre Dame, 
Well, hold on. Before we get to the best conference, in, before we get to Georgia, which is like my Saturday is more important than Sunday here starting next week in Georgia, is Notre Dame crashing the party? Is there an independent that's crashing the party? Well, if there is, it's Notre, if there is, it's Notre Dame. Um, okay. Wait five minutes. Let's go through the SEC, and I'll tell you. Well, okay. I was just going to look up Notre Dame's schedule first before we get to that. Oh. So, Notre Dame, they're ninth. They're they're ranked ninth coming in. I just had their schedule. Here we go. So, ranked teams. They face. They go to Georgia on the 21st of, of September. And by the way, those tickets, Seth, the first time Notre Dame is coming to Georgia ever. What do you think that ticket price is? The, the lowest price. If I looked it up today. 300? How about 600? 600, lowest price. Woo. So they go, I will not be going to that game. So they're at Georgia. <laughs> and they're at Stanford. And that's it. Oh, and at Michigan. Excuse me. And at Michigan. So at Georgia, at Stanford, at Michigan. Three really hard places to play, but all doable games. Why is at Georgia a doable game? They can't be Georgia. No, I'm saying they're doable. But they could go at 11-1. I'm not saying – well, would they go at 11-1 over a 12-0 Pac-10 team? Potentially, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. All right, let's move on to the Southeast, Co- Southeast Conference because I think that's exactly what's going I'm telling you, 12 and 0 Pac 10 team does not make it. So, all right, the SEC schedule, the SEC. So, we have Florida at 8, Georgia at 3, Bama at 2, Auburn at 16, LSU at 6, and A&M at 12. I'll put the West up yeah. against any conference, any division. That West was Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Texas A&M. And A&M, I know, has to come and play Georgia as, as well at Georgia at the end of the year. Out of, an out-of-division game. I'm looking at A&M. A&M has probably the hardest, hardest uh, schedule in the country. They play at Clemson. They play home against Auburn. They face Alabama at home. They face Georgia in Georgia. And then they go to LSU. They face the one, the two, the three, the six, and the 16 teams. This is going to be a four-loss Texas A&M league. That's why they paid Jimbo Fisher $75 million. Still going to have four no. losses. Still going to have four losses. Probably. Okay. So, yep. so, who comes out of this one? I think it's Alabama and Georgia. And I think, I think this might be the year that Georgia makes it. I mean, look, things are – they're talking about Georgia as a really uh, – granted, my expertise is nil and none. But I'm in Georgia country. I'm in Alabama country. And they're, they're talking up Georgia pretty high over here. Well, they talk until they talk up Georgia every year pretty high. Look, Georgia should have won the national title two years ago, and very well could have gone last year. And until it's not, 
Georgia and Alabama. It is. And Orgeron has a nice team led okay. by Joe Barrow and LSU. Win it. Got to be. You got to. You got. You have to go eleven and one. An eleven and one SEC team will go there. Auburn is not going to do it. A and M is not going to do it. So right now you're looking at Maryland. You Maryland, excuse me. <laughs> you're looking at Georgia and Alabama. Very simple. Okay, so we got four minutes left. We're going to skip our five minutes because we're just not going to have enough time. My final four, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. I'm I'm going out on on a hill here. And I will take Nebraska. Yes, you are. Um, Yeah, well, you know what? I'm not going to go chalk. I'm not going to go chalk for all four. I think the three teams are easy. I think everyone is going to take Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson. The fourth yep. team you're looking at, I don't see a Big Ten team. You can't get a third SEC team. The question is, there's no second ACC team that's worthy. So I'm looking at either Notre Dame I'm looking at the Oklahoma-Texas winner, or I'm looking at a Pac-12 team. And none of these picks are really not appealing to me. So I am very hesitantly going to go to Austin and go to Sam Rowinger in Texas as my, as my fourth team. Well, if, not, if none of those teams are appealing to you, you're welcome to join the Nebraska bandwagon led by myself. So you're you're happy. Well, when to, Maryland, when Maryland, when okay. Maryland, be, when Maryland beats them, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Okay. So we got a minute and a half. Um, Heisman Trophy winner. It's either Trevor Lawrence or Tua, right? It's not going to be or Justin Herbert. If Oregon makes, the, I think those if your, Oregon makes a run. Those, if Oregon makes the run, those are your three quarterbacks. Your two running backs are probably out of three. Or Travis Etienne from Clemson. J.K. Dobbins from uh, Ohio State or Jonathan Taylor from uh, uh, Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Tua. Okay, and I'll take Lawrence. Okay, so we have one minute left. Again, next week we're going to be doing our, fan, our our fantasy football preview. That'll probably be a 90 minute show. Um, we might start a, we might start at four thirty on that day so we can accommodate uh yep. our normal five to six hour. Remember, five to six now on Tuesdays, this is gonna be standard until it's not. That's basically the way that we play here at Seth and Sean Sports Radio. Um, thank you very much for joining on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio show, our college football preview. And again, two weeks we'll do the NFL. Who wins your, we'll get who this wins all your national done. title? No. I'm gonna pick Georgia. Just because I'm here. I'm going to take. I'm going to unfortunately take Alabama. Um, quick shout outs. One of our one of our writers, or one of the best writers we ever had, unfortunately never fulfilled his potential and died a couple months ago. I just found out last week. Uh, to my best to Mike Haley, to the family of Mike Haley. Thanks, thanks for the, thanks for the memories, buddy. All right, we'll talk. We'll, on that note, we'll talk next week. See you, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.